0: based on methods of molecular, cellular, systems, or organismic biology. Submissions are due June 15th. Visit science.org slash eppendorf to apply today. Welcome to the Science Podcast for August 8th, 2014. I'm Sarah Crespi. In this week's show, we talk about making computers more like human brains. David Grimm is out this week, but will return with daily news stories next week. Support for the Science Podcast is provided by AAAS, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, advancing science, engineering, and innovation throughout the world for the benefit of all people. AAAS, the Science Society, at www.aaas.org. Conventional computers are much better than people at quick calculations, logical operations, and word processing. But other tasks that seem very simple for the human mind, like picking a friend's voice out of a noisy, crowded room, are Herculean for even the most sophisticated processors. I spoke with science writer Bob Service about advances in chips that act more like brains than MacBooks.
1: We're writing about a new computer chip architecture called neuromorphic chips. And this is a chip being made by folks at IBM, and it's used primarily for enhancing computers' ability to perceive their environment, so visual perception or auditory perception or something like that.
0: The brain actually has a lot of advantages over computers. What are some of the things that our brains are better at than uh, processors right now?
1: Our brains have evolved to be extremely efficient at processing information. And one of the main tasks that they have is perception. So just to orient us in the world, about 40% of our brains are devoted towards perception. And so they tend to be very good and very efficient at being able to spot, see objects, recognize objects, understand what we're seeing. Same thing with hearing and touch and other senses. So our brains have really been fine-tuned for that role just to help orient us
0: in the world. I think you brought up a good example of how Google was able to recognize faces using a computer program in videos and cat faces, but that it was definitely not as efficient as the human brain.
1: Conventional computer chips were not designed for handling tasks like perception. They were really designed to be number crunchers, to be able to compute launch codes for nuclear weapons or in more recent times to run a spreadsheet or a word processor or what have you. And they're great at that. And these new kinds of chips are not being intended to replace conventional chips. Really the question is, can we come up with a new style of architecture for computers that helps them do some of the things brains do very well?
0: Right. You write about how the history of chip design gives conventional chips just certain limitations that they can't go beyond. What types of limits seem to be built in?
1: So a gentleman named John von Neumann early on back in the 1940s thought up the basic architecture for how you would go about running a digital processor or digital computer chip. The idea was, well, you have one section of the chip that is data storage or memory. You have another one that's the processor that does the computation. And in between, you shuttle data back and forth. So if you want to perform an operation, you have to go fetch a piece of data, bring it back to the processor, do the manipulation on it, and then send it back to the memory area for storage, and then do the next operation. And modern processors can do these things Extraordinarily quickly. So conventional chips rely on that high speed and that high frequency. That's their great strength, and they use it to their fullest advantage. The way our brains work is very different. Our nerve cells aren't that fast. However, they work in parallel. So rather than trying to do a linear sequence of operations the way our brains are wired, is to run many operations in parallel and have memory and processing all kind of lumped right next to each other or in the same set of connections. For example, in visual processing, you have certain cells that will respond in the visual cortex to just vertical or horizontal lines, and when they fire, they will then pass that information on. So if they receive a signal and says, okay, I'm seeing a vertical line, they can pass that information on up the chain. To other neurons. Well, that will then integrate the information with other information coming from elsewhere. And that's a very parallel approach. And so it gains its power from having a very complex network all tied together. Does this
0: complexity, this parallel processing figure into these new neuromorphic chips? Yeah, that's the main
1: point of the neuromorphic chips is that they are sort of following this more brain-inspired approach rather than the conventional architecture. Because the chip making technology is so good now, they can physically make so many transistors and other devices on chips and then connect them and wire them in ways together that are complex. They can now sort of begin to imitate some serious complexity. It's still nowhere close to what the brain has, but it's still pretty impressive.
0: There's a paper in Science this week on the True North chip. What are some of the features of that new device?
1: This is a chip made by researchers at IBM and Cornell, and we were just talking about this complexity. And this chip itself is made up of 5.4 billion transistors and then other devices as well, and those are wired together. Now, these are, mind you, these are conventional digital transistors, the same kind, kind of approach that you would have in a traditional chip. However, they're wired together very differently. So they're wired in what they refer to as 1 million, quote unquote, neurons. These are in architecture's representation of a neuron. And then they connect to each other via 256 million synapses. Again, those are quote-unquote synapses, and that's meant to represent the connections that cells neurons make to one
0: another. Can you describe some of the technical achievements of True North and other neuromorphic systems?
1: Sure. Uh, it's very early days for these systems. They're only just getting off the ground. There are some specific achievements that have taken place already, but a lot of the prospects here are going to be in the future. For example, I had a chance to visit some folks at IBM Almaden, which is one of their research centers, and they showed me a demonstration where a computer is monitoring a video feed from a camera atop a tower on the Stanford University campus. And it's looking down at the traffic circle, and as you would expect, there's just a steady stream of cars and buses and trucks and pedestrians and bikes When we look at that video feed, we can easily just, you know, one after the other, say there's a truck, bus, car, pedestrian, skateboarder, whatever. And humans are great at that. And there are conventional algorithms that can do it, but again, they tend to be fairly inefficient. Now, the True North chip, which they've already been testing out on this video test, can readily just pick the different actors up and almost always gets them right. In fact, there was one example when we were watching where a bicyclist entered the frame And then dismounted in the middle, and when he was on his bike, the computer properly identified him as being a bicyclist, but when he switched, the computer immediately switched over and called it a pedestrian. So that's kind of neat. And uh, there are a bunch of other folks doing neuromorphic, both hardware and software efforts, and some of those are being used to do robotics and try to give robots an improved sense of perception as well as doing other things like just trying to study the processing of information in the brain itself.
0: Right. What is the complexity advantage? How can it decrease power use and improve speed?
1: That's basically what evolution has done for the brain over many thousands of generations as brains have grown more complex. They have grown in capabilities, but their power demands have stayed quite minimal. So if you look at the laptop that's sitting on my desk, it's using 50 to 100 watts of power just sitting there, and it can only do limited perception. Whereas the human brain just uses, you know, tens of watts, and it has enormous capabilities in perception. And so by using the same approach to designing an architecture, in computer chips that the brain uses, or at least inspired by that, and that ability to be so good at perception relies heavily on its complexity rather than speed. So individual neurons themselves are quite slow in how they can transmit information compared to, say, the metal lines in a computer chip. However, what the brain relies on is a 100 billion neurons and a trillion connections, uh, or Actually, I'm sorry, I think it may be even far more connections than that. And so it uses that complexity to process information in parallel and therefore be able to process a lot of data very quickly. And that's what the brain-inspired neuromorphic chips are trying to do. And it's early days for these chips, but the hope is that as the generations of chips come one after the other, that they will improve and improve and improve and soon improve the ability of computers to sense and interact with their environment.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things you said when you were talking about how the way conventional chips work is that we're actually hitting the limits of physics or engineering. We can't actually make these connections or these pieces any tinier. Is that another motivation for this this change?
1: Yeah, that is another motivation for the change because it's going to get harder and harder to continue to pack more and more transistors on chips with the conventional architecture. And so that means it's going to be difficult to completely transform their power efficiency and make them far, far more efficient. Now, that said, there's an important caveat that I would throw into all this, and that's that people who design conventional software to use conventional chips are getting a lot better in recent years at doing some perception. You might notice some of the latest cell phones have voice recognition or something like that. And so they're making a lot of progress through algorithms that use a technique called deep learning. So even though this neuromorphic architecture is coming along, this is still early days. It's not really in products. It's not out there yet. It's really in its research and formative stages. And there are signs that some of the skills that computer scientists and software engineers are bringing to the conventional architecture are able to meet some of the tasks. And so it's really going to be an interesting time to see which group is able to succeed at which different tasks. And I think the point of the IBM work on this neuromorphic hardware is that it now gives computer scientists and engineers a new architecture to begin to play with and adapt it for certain roles in modern technology.
0: Bob, thanks so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Bob service writes about neuromorphic chips in this week's issue. And that concludes this edition of the Science Podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, please write us at sciencepodcast at aaas.org or tweet to us at Science Magazine. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and many other places, or listen on the Science site. The show is a production of Science Magazine. Jeffrey Cook composed the music. I'm Sarah Crespi. On behalf of Science Magazine and its publisher, AAAS, thanks for joining us. You listen to us to hear about new discoveries in science, but did you know we're a part of the American Association for the Advancement of Science? AAAS is a nonprofit publisher and a science society. When you join AAAS, you help support our mission to advance science for the benefit of all. Become a AAAS member at the silver level or above to receive a year's subscription to Science and an exclusive gift. Join today by visiting AAAS.org/join. That's AAAS.org/join. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Science Careers. Looking for some career advice?